Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today we're going to be talking about sexual orientation. Again, but before we get into it, if you enjoy the show, please be sure to like, share, and subscribe. It helps us out a ton. The YouTube algorithm in all of its infinite wisdom now de-ranks our videos. So if we want our show to continue to grow, we need to rely on you guys, our awesome audience, to share our videos. Share them places like Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, or heck, even email them to people. That really goes a long way for us. And if you did want to go the extra mile to support the show, you can, of course, always head on over to Blaze tv.com slash lauren and subscribe using the code lauren to save money on your annual subscription not only do you help us keep the lights on over here but you also get a ton of other great shows to watch and remember since we're no longer on patreon anymore if you did want to chip in for the show that subscription would be how you do it last week we discussed political lesbianism or women choosing to date other women instead of men in order to fight the patriarchy. And all of that was after one NBC author proudly proclaimed that heterosexuality apparently just wasn't working because screw men, I guess. If you haven't seen that video yet, I recommend you check it out. But today we are going to continue our discussion of human sexuality and what influences it. Specifically, did you know that as a society, we are getting gayer? Yep. As NBC News reports, quote, a record 4.5% of American adults identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender, according to a new Gallup estimate. The percentage, which works out to more than 11 million U.S. adults, is up from 4% in 2016 and 3.5% in 2012, the year Gallup first started tracking LGBT identification. Obviously, this discussion about human sexuality is made a little more complicated by the fact that trans identities are always included in these polls, even though gender identity is really not the same thing as sexual orientation, like at all. But in any case, this is the best we got. A 1% increase over five years of people identifying as LGBT, 3.5% in 2012 to 4.5% in 2017, may not sound like a huge jump, but the difference is even more pronounced when we look at the generational breakdown. The increase was driven primarily by millennials, defined as those born between 1980 and 1999, according to the report's findings. In 2012, 5.8% of this cohort answered yes when asked, do you personally identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender? In the 2017 estimate, that number jumped 40% to 8.2% of millennials. In contrast, Gallup found the LGBT identification rate of older generations is steady. In the latest survey, 3.5% of Generation X respondents identified as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender, 2.4% of baby boomers, and 1.4% of traditionalists. Clearly, millennials are a lot more likely than older generations generations to identify as being LGBT. And activists will usually say that this increase in statistics is simply due to our society now being more open and tolerant of LGBT identities than it used to be. I.e. it's not really that more people are LGBT than before, it's just that more people are comfortable admitting that they're LGBT than before. The NBC article supports this viewpoint by saying, quote, Gary Gates, an LGBT demographics expert, said it's not surprising that a great proportion of millennials are 
comfortable being more open about their LGBT status. Social acceptance of the LGBT population has increased substantially over the last decade, and those changes have been more pronounced in younger populations, Gates told NBC News via email. Today's youth have peers and social networks that are more supportive of LGBT people and issues when compared to older generations. And the article goes on to explain that, quote, millennials have been found to be significantly more accepting of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender rights than their older counterparts. According to a 2017 NBC News Wall Street Journal poll, 75% of people aged 18 to 34 support same-sex unions, compared to just 42% of people over 65. So if all of these polls aren't really indicative of how many LGBT people there really are, simply how many LGBT people feel comfortable admitting they're LGBT, then it does beg the question, how many LGBT people are there? Actually, well, for decades, some LGBT activists have been saying that as many as 1 in 10 or 10% of people are lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. And although on the surface that number may seem really high, considering that now over 8% of millennials already identify as LGBT, Perhaps that statistic isn't as crazy as it seems. Like I mentioned, while the official explanation for this is that we're just becoming more accepting of how we've always been, surely I can't be the only one who finds it interesting that the number of woke celebrities who come out as either queer, non-binary, or otherwise special, I mean, LGBT, seems to be increasing literally by the day. Like we talked about in my other video, Miley Cyrus and Julian Hoff are two celebrities who recently, in interviews with progressive women's magazines, came out as not being attracted exclusively to men. And Bella Thorne, one of those ex-Disney child stars turned decidedly not family-friendly, also recently came out as bisexual. And then even more recently than that, pansexual. In the past, she's used Twitter to casually come out as bisexual, but today she's expanded her sexual orientation. I'm actually a pansexual. And oh, I didn't know that. Yep. Okay. And somebody somebody explained to me so, really thoroughly what that is. And explain that to me. You like beings. You like what you like. Doesn't have to be a girl or a guy or, you know, he, she, a they, or this or that. It's literally you like personality, like you just like a being. Look, I wish Bella Thorne all the best with her newfound pansexuality. And historically, it is true that gay people have always existed. I'm not trying to say that gayness is something the SJWs just invented to seem trendy, because obviously that's not the case. However, I do have to say that the degree to which our culture now eschews heteronormativity and heterosexuality isn't something we've seen since maybe the ancient Greeks believed that the most masculine thing a guy could do was diddle another man. I'm not saying that people choose their sexualities because I don't know about you guys, but I certainly didn't choose mine. And like I said, gay people have always existed, even when doing so literally cost them their lives. I just think that maybe we should start having a conversation about how environment does shape sexuality, especially in light of how absolutely obsessed with sexuality and promoting and demonizing certain sexualities our culture has become. Of course, human sexuality is a very complex thing, and 
We still can't explain why certain preferences form in one way versus another. But a lot of research has gone into exploring why some people are gay and other people aren't. And although a lot of LGBT activists like to use the phrase born this way, the truth is, according to studies, as best we can tell, being gay is actually due to a combination of both genetic and environmental factors. But Lauren, how do researchers determine whether sexuality is shaped by genes or environment or both, and to what degree? you might be wondering. Well, it's actually pretty cool. There are a bunch of different studies researchers can do to look at what shapes sexuality, but one of the most popular things is to look at twins. I know twins are often made into a big deal for being part of like sexy fun fantasies, but if you ask me, by far the coolest thing about twins is that you can conduct all kinds of studies on them. Seriously, for biologists, doctors, psychologists, twins are just so cool. We can learn so much studying twins. Take sexuality, for example. If people really were just born gay, then you'd expect all identical twins to share the same sexuality, when in reality, they don't. And conversely, if sexuality were entirely environmental, then you'd expect non-identical twins who have different DNA to have the same likelihood of sharing the same sexuality as their twin as identical twins who have identical DNA. But that's not the case either. According to one Swedish study, one of the most comprehensive done on the issue, being gay is actually determined by a combination of both genetic and environmental factors. And what's really interesting is that environmental factors play a much larger role in determining the sexuality of women than they do the sexuality of men. According to the study, genetic and environmental effects on same-sex sexual behavior, a population study of twins in Sweden, based on studying 3,800 126 monozygotic, i.e. identical, and dizygotic, i.e. non-identical, same-sex twin pairs. Quote, in men, genetic effects explain 34 to 39% of the variance. The shared environment, 0%, and the individual-specific environment, 61 to 66% of the variance. Corresponding estimates among women were 18 to 19% for genetic factors, 16 to 17% for shared environmental, and 64 to 66% for unique environmental factors. Although wide intervals suggest cautious interpretation, the results are consistent with moderate primarily genetic familial effects and moderate to large effects of the non-shared environment, social and biological, on same-sex behavior. The main takeaway there is that for both men and women, environmental aspects accounted for more of the variation in sexuality than genetic components. But for women, the determining role of environmental factors was much more pronounced. And before anyone comes for me saying, I'm saying being gay is a choice, that's not it at all. Saying that something is influenced by environmental factors is very different than saying it's a choice. PTSD, for example, is shaped by environmental factors, but it's definitely not a choice. And these environmental effects on sexuality, I think, are especially relevant to note considering the huge generational differences in LGBT identification. Remember, millennials are almost six times more likely to identify as being LGBT than people born before 1946. And that's with asking these people born before 1946 whether they're LGBT now, not in the past when they were younger, and when being gay was considered one of the worst things you could possibly be. I'm not gonna deny that stigmas against non-heterosexual and non-cisgender identities still exist more so among older people than younger people. That's true, we've seen the numbers on that. But still, I don't think it's crazy to question whether feelings of acceptance 
are really all that's changed here, especially since between 2012 and 2017, the likelihood of previous generations identifying as being LGBT didn't really change, but among millennials, it increased 2.4%. And the case for environmental factors influencing sexual preferences is even stronger when we bring sex differences back into the conversation. The Swedish study showed us that women were way more likely than men to voice same-sex attraction based on environmental factors. And not so coincidentally, if you ask me, the jump in people identifying as being LGBT has occurred almost entirely among women. As NBC News explains, quote, in its latest estimate, Gallup also found women account for a greater share of America's growing LGBT population. Between 2012 and 2017, the share of women calling themselves LGBT went from 3.5% to 5.1%. For men, the rate ticked up only a half point, from 3.4% to 3.9%. Keep in mind, those percentages are for men and women of any age. But since we didn't really see any increase in older people calling themselves LGBT, that means that essentially all of the growth in the percentage of LGBT people has come from millennial women. So I guess we're not all getting gayer, it's really just millennial women that are getting gayer. And this actually isn't that surprising considering that all of the celebrities I mentioned earlier as coming out with new and exciting sexualities, Bella Thorne, Miley Cyrus, Julian Hoff, they're all women. Or at least they are for now. And the fact that women are so much more likely than men to be influenced by environment and identify as LGBT is fascinating considering women are also more likely than men to embrace progressivism. Really makes you think. The idea that our surroundings shape our sexual preferences is also something to keep in mind when we consider the fact that certain areas, namely urban areas, are way more likely to have LGBT-identifying people than, say, rural or suburban areas. According to The Street, in 2018, one measure reported that the national average of LGBT people across the U.S. was 4.1%. However, certain cities, like San Francisco and Portland, had much higher percentages of LGBT residents at 6.2% and 5.4% respectively. So do more LGBT people move to these cities specifically because they are gay-friendly, or are people in these cities just more comfortable with saying that they are, in fact, LGBT? Or are these urban environments, which are also huge bastions of progressivism, which challenges straightness as the norm, cultivating LGBT identities? The data doesn't tell us. So what exactly is happening here? Why am I making this video? Frankly, I do believe that our culture, and specifically a certain segment of our culture, has been shaping and pushing people toward non-heterosexual and, yeah, non-cisgender identities. And again, I'm not calling all these millennial women liars when they say they're attracted to other women. I'm Sure they are, I don't believe it's a choice that they're making either. But when you spend all of your time pushing LGBT identities, not just as the new norm, but actually what's cool, what's hip, what's the new frontier now, I don't think we should be shocked when it has a measurable impact on our society. And to anyone who asks why I care about this, do I hate LGBT people or something? The answer is no. I don't hate anyone. I don't hate LGBT people. I think it's just really strange, though, that we're seemingly trying to push people into being LGBT. Honestly, I'm okay with heteronormativity. I don't believe we should punish people who don't fit into that mold. 
but, but on its own, that mold is a pretty good one. It's been the bedrock of our civilizations for literally our entire existence as a species. I don't think we should be so quick to try to get rid of it. We don't even know what the consequences of that could be, especially long term, and really, I don't care to find out, but in any case, that's pretty much all I have to say about this issue, and as always, I would love to know what you guys think. Why are people so much more likely than before to identify as being LGBT, and what do you think that's going to mean for our culture going forward? Let me know, but that's it for now. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.